So if you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can click to, you can turn to uh, the 23rd Psalm. The title of this message is, is just simply Quarantine Quarrels. Now listen, this title is not unique to me. I, I didn't come up with this title. I was, I was reading a news story, and the title of the news story was like Quarantine Quarrels. That was the title of the story. So I just, I have borrowed their, their title. And so this news story, this article was writing about during this time of quarantine, how quarrels have happened in the home because like everything's just kind of meshed together work and home and school and hobbies and and that people are together 24 7 and as a result of that it's causing some problems it's it's causing some quarrels fact is they said the google is getting like worn out of asking answering that question about relationship helps and prayer and all this other stuff and so the article was trying to give some people some helps about how to deal with quarantine quarrels how to deal with those issues because here's the deal and we know this right and if you have unresolved issues in a relationship going into quarantine it unlike the it, it's not like those unresolved issues just kind of go away and matter of fact a lot of time it highlights them a lot of times it makes them it can make them even worse or even more difficult to deal with and so to, this weekend I want to talk to you about this issue of quarantine quarrels and give you some help, not from a news story, but from the Word of God. Because when I heard that, I thought, you know what? God's Word speaks directly to that. It it helps us understand. See, there's a principle that that we're going to flesh through through the 23rd Psalm when David was walking through the valley of the shadow of death and he was walking through difficulty. And we're going to flesh through some things. And so a principle that I'm just going to keep coming back to in relationships and in the 23rd Psalm is this. If you can mention it, you can manage it. If you can can mention it, then you can manage it. And see, here's the thing, that we have to learn to come to the place in relationships and situations to we're able to mention what we're going through. We're able to mention what we're feeling because if you, listen, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. If you can mention it, you can manage it. See, you can go to a place where you say, this isn't very good what we're going through, but guess what? God is going to help us, and God is going to be with us. And David phrased it like this in the 23rd Psalm, verse 5, and he simply said, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And listen, these are three huge statements that David makes about relationships. And so you know this, right? We live in an imperfect world, and we're, and we're going to get hurt. We're going to get hurt by accidents. We're going to get hurt by, by illnesses. But, but I'm willing to bet some of the deepest hurts in your life, and even in my life, is not hurts by accidents or illness. It's hurt by, by people. Relationships can be the greatest source of hurt or pain or stress in our lives, and relationships can also be the greatest source of, of happiness and, and joy and blessing. But people, right, people do hurt us. And sometimes it's intentionally, sometimes it's unintentionally, sometimes it's accidentally, sometimes it's on purpose. And so this weekend, for this sermon, I I just have two points for you as we just flesh through this, as we work through this. And I believe God's given me some insight in in the UPS store, and I'll explain later about this issue of relationships. And so watch this. So the the first point, the first point is this, it's good to acknowledge the hurt. It's good to acknowledge the hurt. Now, listen, if, if you can mention it, you can manage it. And so it's good to acknowledge the hurt. It's good to, see, see, here's what I've learned. Sometimes it's easier for us to admit that we're angry 
than it is to admit that, that we're hurt. And a lot of times people go through seasons and they get, they get hurt and, and so they, they don't mention it. They don't even mention it. As a result, they can't be managed. It can't be dealt with. And so the, the, they walk through and they, they get hurt. And so they don't mention it. And, and they, they think, you know what, they just kind of camouflage it and they they pretend it doesn't exist and they say you know what I don't have a problem and and I don't have a problem and it really didn't hurt and so they begin to deny deny the way they they feel and and people hurt us and we just kind of deny it and we we say it really didn't hurt it really wasn't a big deal but yet it was a big deal and the sad that leads us into the next one some people just say you know what it's just not a big deal it didn't really hurt. It really wasn't that bad. And so they delay doing something about it. They delay mentioning it. They sweep it under the rug and say, one of these days we're going to take care of this. One of these days I'm going to mention it. And then they keep postponing it because they're always trying to postpone the unpleasant. Because if you're honest, right, sometimes, sometimes it is unpleasant mentioning something that has hurt us in a relationship and and David knew see David understood this and David well let's just read it Psalm 39 verse 2 and 3 David's talking about this very issue and David says I was mute and silent I held my peace to no avail my distress grew worse so he was delaying mentioning it and when he stuffed it it caused all kinds of problems. It grew worse. Watch this. He says, my heart became hot within me. And as I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. And the unfortunate thing is when he did speak with his tongue, anger came out. And he didn't mention it in a healing way. He didn't mention it in a way that, honestly, it could be managed. And so some people, some people just simply hide their hurt. They just, they just, they keep it to themselves. They, 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 they don't tell anybody, and maybe maybe a more popular phrase is they they wear a they wear a mask. <coughs> Excuse me. They just simply wear a mask. And a lot of times when we look at scripture, and 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 this is the insight that I believe God gave me in a UPS store. I know it sounds crazy, but just 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 follow along. Just pl- let this play out. But, but a lot of times when we start talking about mask, especially in the scripture, we go back to a hypocrite. And we talk about a hypocrite as someone that wears a mask. They're, it's the same person playing two roles. But that doesn't play well here. That is, that's really not what he's talking about. That's really not what he's dealing with. Because someone say, well, I'm, I'm not two different people. I'm not trying to be two different people. And so wearing a mask, listen, we have a lot of experience doing during covid about wearing a mask. This is one of the masks that I wear. I wear a mask when when I go out in public and I had to go to the UPS store or the UPS place, whatever it's called, and, and Karen had ordered something from Amazon and it came and it was missing a part. And so I said, well, no worries, I'll, I'll take it back. And so we printed out the label and I went down to, to the UPS place that we go to and there's an older gentleman there and, and we kind of talked back and forth. We kind of laughed back and forth. And so I came in and I gave him the box and, and remember, I'm, I'm wearing a mask, he's wearing a mask. And, and so he, he goes through his list, he looks down and he starts reading from his list and he says, does this contain any lithium batteries, you know, lithium batteries, any explosive ammunition, you know, illegal substances, controlled substances. And he's going through his line and he says, are any animals or something like that? And so I thought I would joke and I would say only reptiles. And when I said only reptiles, see, see, I'm wearing a mask. He can't see my emotion. 
He can't see whether I'm laughing, whether I'm joking, whether I'm angry, whether I'm happy. He can't see any. All he can see is this. See, I forgot that. He can only see my eyes. He cannot see my emotion. And as a result of that, even though I've joked with him in the past, he got angry. He grabbed the box and he says, well, if it has reptiles, then you can take it back home. I, I'm not even going to ship this. And, and so I had to pull down the mask and say, no, I'm joking. That was a joke. And he, he told me it wasn't much of a joke. He told me it wasn't even funny. I thought, it, I thought it was funny, but here's the crazy thing. When I've worn a mask out in public, I finally get what this means. When I wear a mask out in public, whether it's Walmart or wherever, I can say, excuse me, please move. They don't know whether I'm mad. They don't know whether I'm angry. They don't know whether I'm rude or they don't know the, or I'm pleasant. They don't know why because of the issue of a mask. See, here's the thing what happens in relationships. Sometimes in relationships, we wear a mask. We camouflage our emotions. We camouflage our feelings. We never come to the place to mention it because, see, here's the deal. If you can mention it, it is manageable. If you can mention it in a, in a healthy way, I am hurt or clarification or some of those other things because if we're honest, we've gotten pretty good at wearing a mask in relationships. Someone asks, is something wrong? And we say, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. I'm totally fine. See, we're willing to admit when we're angry, but for some reason, I don't even understand it, some reason. We're not willing to admit when someone has hurt us. See, David goes out in this Psalm, Psalm 32, 3, for when I kept silent, when I wore the mask, when I said everything's okay, no big deal, that didn't hurt, not a problem. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up <coughs> by the heat of summer. And here's what I've learned. When I hide my hurt, when I mask it, it only intensifies within me. It just, it, it makes it worse. In relationships, we have to come to the place in healthy relationships. They're able to mention the hurt. We're able to talk about the hurt. We have to come to the place to where we build these healthy relationships where we can be open and we can be honest because David would say, David would tell us, when I hit it, when I stuffed it, it damaged the relationship to where we learn to acknowledge it. And we learn to say some things like, could you clarify that? Are you hurt? Are you angry? At, at, at the moment. Well, listen, one of the most dangerous things, and I've gone back and forth whether I should even mention this because you're, you're not like in the same room and this is going to go all over and, and we don't have a lot of time to flesh this out, but can I, can I just mention something to you? Sometimes the most dangerous thing you can do in a relationship is try to read somebody else's mind. I mean, mind reading, I think, sometimes is the most damaging thing we can do in relationships. Where we think we know what they mean. We think that we know the emotion behind that. And we never clarify, we never ask a question. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible, we look at the Bible, just talking about the Bible for a moment. The Bible relates mind reading to witchcraft and to sorcery and to, to fortune telling and so, to some pretty bad stuff. See, when we try to read somebody else's mind, and don't ask them to clarify, don't mention, don't talk about it. A lot of times, most of the time, we're, we're wrong, right? When you try to read somebody else's mind, 
it can create horrible emotions in a relationship. Just just a hypothetical situation for a second. Let's just say Karen asked me the other night to take out the trash. And she just simply asked me to take out the trash. And, and so, by the way, she said it. I grabbed the trash. And then all of a sudden, I started trying to read her mind. And I'm like, well, she doesn't think I ever do anything sacrificial around the house. And, and then I, and, and, and I think, well, you know what? She's mad and she's upset because maybe I should have known about it. And so then in my mind, I go through a list of all the stuff that I've done. And I'm kind of upset. And then Karen can look at me and she can try to read my mind and says, you know what? All I asked him to do was take out the trash. I cannot believe his reaction action. It seems like he's mad. It seems like he's upset. Now listen, this is why it's so important to come to the place to just clarify issues and clarify things in a relationship and ask them, are you upset? Are you mad? And then willing for the other person to say, no, I'm not. No, I wasn't thinking like, no. Listen, here's what the scripture says in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, and it is working. And so be willing. See, some translations would be willing to, to confess your faults to one another. That's a different word for, for sin that he uses there, that James uses there. Be willing to confess your, salt, your faults. Be willing to confess your sins. Be willing to manage it and mention it. Just be honest in a relationship. The second thing is this about relationships and quarantine quarrels is this. It is better to receive healing. It is one thing to acknowledge the hurt. It is one thing to mention the hurt. It is one thing to mention it and try to talk about it and try to, but it's a totally, listen, it's a totally different thing to be willing or to receive healing in the relationship. Listen, when you share the hurt, when you share the pain, when you share what's going on, that is starting, that is starting, doesn't mean it ends it, that is starting the process of getting over it. As you, as long as you, listen, as long as you, as long as you mask it, as long as you hang on to it, as long as you suppress it, as long as you camouflage it, you're not going to get well if you're hiding it. And listen, everybody has a hurt. You're, you're not alone. (coughs) Excuse me. You're not alone. You're, you're not the only one that is hurting and you may feel like you're all alone when you're hurt. But other people have been hurt, not just you. And if you could somehow just get the courage just to share the hurt, to share the pain. Listen, it's the pathway. It is the pathway to healing. This is what the Bible talks about over and over about the importance of like, like resolving quarrels. I mean, I mean, what a crazy thing. If we, if we use this time, if we use this quarantine, when we're together like 24-7 and everything's meshed together, work life and hobbies and recreation and school and family and, you know, all of those things, what if, what if we said, you know what, we're going to come out, the, out of this better and not bitter. As things come up in the relationship, we've got a little bit more margin, we've got a little bit more time than we have. What if, what if we worked on those things? What if we worked on some things and we learned this? Because, see, David uses three phrases. He uses three phrases in the 23rd Psalm, this verse that I read, that gives you the steps that you and I need to our way out of quarantine quarrels, our way out of healing or to find healing. The three phrases is this, and then I'm going to walk through them. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Listen, if we, were, if we were like the first hearers of this, 
We would be tracking our, we, we would know exactly what he's talking about. See, these three symbols is how a, a shepherd would, would heal the sheep, a shepherd would take care of the, the sheep, how the shepherd would nurse them and help them and, and bring them back to full recovery. And so I, I want to give you those three in, 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 like in our terms or the way we would use them. And so the first thing is this, is to learn to trust God. In other words, learn to come to the place to trust God to where you decide, you know what, I'm not going to try to get even. I'm not going to seek, seek revenge. I'm not going to retaliate against that person who just hurt me. I'm, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God to take care of this. I'm going to trust God to settle the score. I'm going to trust God to deal with this. And he makes the phrase, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, listen, if you, if you study sheep, and it's like a fascinating study, when you start learning about how helpless they are, how they need a shepherd, much like us, right? That when you look at this, sheep have many natural enemies. They have wolves. They have coyotes. They have, they have bears. They have snakes. They have ticks. Uh, sheep are very defenseless animals. They, when you look at sheep, they cannot defend themselves against anything. I mean, they don't have sharp teeth uh, they, that they can bite with. They don't have claws that they can protect themselves with. Uh, sheep can't even kick. They can't even run fast. In other words, when you study them, you realize that they're absolutely the most defenseless animal on the planet Earth. They don't know, they don't know how to do anything. <coughs> And they can't be safe unless someone protects them. In pastures in the Holy, Holy Land, the, a lot of times these poisonous plants would grow, and, and if the sheep were to eat them, then, then they would, they, they would, they, it was fatal. They, they would die. And also there were these, these plants with short, sharp thorns and, and that they would penetrate the, like the soft nose tissue of a sheep that would cause ugly sores. And, and each spring, a shepherd would go ahead of the sheep. You, you go before me, right? They would go ahead of the sheep, and they would take a tool that they had, and they would, by their hands, they would dig out all the enemies of the sheep, the thorns and, and the poisonous plants, and they would, they would clear the, the pasture, and they would take the enemies of the sheep. They would pile them up. They would burn them, and the pasture, once that was done, was now known as the table prepared. The table prepared in the presence of my enemies. The job of a good shepherd was to find a good table land, a mesa, a field of green grass, and drive out all the enemies. And then he brings the sheep and gives them a safe place to eat, and he scouts out the pasture of all the natural enemies. And listen, God knows, listen, God knows the people who have hurt you. He saw it, and he cares. And you have to decide you have to decide, are you going to get revenge or are you going to get well? You can't have both. I'll just tell you this, revenge lasts forever. Today, revenge is a big business. Revenge doesn't work. It always backfires. It always keeps your hurt alive. It always keeps your unforgiveness alive. And listen, revenge is, revenge is never enough no matter how much you make them pay. And when you retaliate against all the hurt that is done to you, it doesn't de-escalate the pain, it escalates the pain. It doesn't relieve the pain, it, it, it escalates the pain. And the only one that you will ever get, the only way that you'll ever get relief from this is forgiveness. A little bit about forgiveness. See, forgiveness is not saying it's okay that you hurt me. 
It's not saying that it was no big deal. It's not saying that it really didn't hurt. It's not saying that, that it's not denying all the evil that is in the world. Forgiveness means this, is giving, giving my hurt to God and allowing God to take care of it, allowing God to, to settle the score, allowing God to pile it up in the presence of my enemies. In other words, you come to this place where you just trust God to handle the situation and not trying to get even. You let him prepare a table. Let him prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and you don't, you don't try to get even. And, and, even. and so you may ask the question, well, why should I forgive him? There's a re- lot of reasons you for, should forgive. You forgive because you've been forgiven by God. And God is forgiving you, and he wants you to forgive others. He wants you, with the forgiveness you receive, extend that grace, extend, extend that forgiveness to others. Resentment, another reason, resentment makes you miserable. This is what David is writing to, about in this psalm. He's like, when, when, I, when, I, when I didn't mention it, when I didn't deal with it, when I didn't forgive, it was like destroying me. And the reason you forgive is, guess what? You're going to need more forgiveness in the future yourself. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Only as I am forgiving, forgiving to others, God is able to forgive me. Listen, you will not be able to forgive someone. If you feel like you're better than them, if you feel like you're superior to them, if you feel like you're over them, where you come to this place, you say, you know what, I'm no longer going to live life trying to get even. I'm no longer going to live life trying to retaliate against all of those who have hurt me. The second thing is this, and it comes out of the phrase that David used in this psalm, (coughs) is healing comes from God. Healing comes from God. He says, you anoint my head with oil. And shepherds would put oil on the heads of sheep for two reasons, to soothe and to heal. The worst enemy, and it's like crazy to even think about, the worst enemy of, of sheep are, are flies. Uh, they, they hate flies. I mean, when you look at it and how sheep are, are like made, uh, they can't shake flies off with, by their hooves or by their tail. Uh, sometimes um, in the spring is like when, when there's a high fly season, season. It, it, it's difficult for sheep, and so the, the flies, unfortunately, can get up the, the nose of a sheep, and, and they'll, they'll lay eggs, and then, then the larva begins to, like, drive them crazy, and sometimes in the summertime, they say, that you can, they say that you can see sheep, like, banging their head against a rock or banging their head against the ground, and they're, they're going crazy. They're just trying to do something with the fleas that are in their nose, and they can't do anything about it. Isn't it interesting? It made me think about this. Isn't it interesting that many times it's the little things in life that irritate you? Have you noticed in this quarantine when you're together with like family and people 24-7, have you noticed it's the little things that can start driving you crazy? The way they eat an apple, the way they eat chips, uh, the way they breathe, the way they take up space, the way they walk into the room, the way they leave the room, the way they hang out. Have you ever noticed that sometimes... It's the little things in relationships that are like driving us crazy. And so what the shepherds would do, the shepherds would take olive oil and they would mix it with sulfur and they would anoint the head of the sheep with, 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 with oil and it was, like, it was like an insect repellent. And this, this represents the shepherd saying, I, I will take care of you. I will take care of the irritations. I will take care of the, the, the things that irritate you if you will let me. And the other way that the oil was used as a, was as an ointment. And, and when the sheep has an open wound, the shepherd would use it as an ointment. It would protect them, and it was soothing. And when David said in this phrase, 
you anoint my head with oil, he is saying, God is going to soothe my wounds. This is saying the same thing. That Jesus wants to soothe the hurt in your life. In fact, as Psalm 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He said, not only will I settle the score is what he's saying, but if you'll come to me and if you have hurt, I'll not only take care of it, I'll do a repair work on your, your heart. I'll, I'll restore your, your soul. I'll restore your spirit. I can, I can soothe those hurts. I can, I can bandage them up. And once you've forgiven a person does, that has hurt you, does that mean all the pain has gone away? Absolutely not. Even after you've forgiven someone, <coughs> it can still hurt. Forgiveness and forgiveness is instant. But restoration takes time. Forgiveness is instant, but listen, restoration takes time. It can take hours, it can take days, it can take weeks, it can take months, it may even take years, depending on the depth of the hurt. What if we use this time? As those unresolved issues come up, say, we're going to work through this. And we're going to come on the other side of this, and we're going to be better. We're not going to be bitter. We're going to be better. A deep wound must be, what he said, must be damaged and uh, must be bandaged and, and dressed. And many Christians expect that once they've, they've forgiven a hurt that they're going to immediately feel well. And, and you're not. It's just the first step of forgiveness. It's the first step of restoration. And God uses scripture and God uses worship and God uses other believers. God uses community. God uses life groups. God surrounds us with people that can help us and speak into our life and the most dangerous thing that you can do <coughs> is isolate during this period, isolate during this season, this, this, this season. A lot of times that anger comes from unmet expectations. And that's why sometimes it's good in a relationship to have agreed upon expectations. This is what I expect you to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and all of those other things. And, and that, that literally brings us into the last one. The last one is this, is total satisfaction comes from God. It's just so important for us. And his total satisfaction comes from God. And he makes this phrase. He says, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Is a, it was a phrase that they used a lot during this time. In the Bible, it's an overflowing cup. is a symbol of like total satisfaction. It's this picture that I have everything that I need. In the Middle East, if you've ever been to Israel in the Middle East, then you learn that it's mostly desert. And when someone gives you, listen, when someone gives you a cup that is overflowing, it means they're wasting something. And there, you don't waste anything. You don't waste water and you don't waste wine. And so you don't waste water or wine in the desert unless you have more than you need. And so when you need to get over a hurt, you need to look to a God that can meet all of your needs. See, this is so important for us to understand because the major reason sometimes when we get hurt is we have unrealistic expectations of someone else telling you a lot of times in relationships anger difficulty comes with unmet expectations and the reason a lot of times we have difficulty in relationships is because we expect other people 
to meet needs in our life that guess what? Only God can do. Only God can meet. No person, listen, no person can give you absolutely security in life. No person can give you all the love that you need 24-7. No person can make you completely happy. And some people think, I've heard it, I've heard some people like singles, and they'll make a comment and say, you know what, if I could just get married, all my problems would be over. Ladies, let me ask you a question. When you got married, (laughs) did that end your problems? See, it's this issue of unrealistic expectations. If you expect that that from somebody, you're going to be bitterly disappointed, and you're going to be hurt. God, listen, God never meant for you and I to have all of our needs met by another human being. You have needs and I have needs that only God can meet. And when you expect other people to meet those needs that only God can meet, it's always going to be unmet expectations. And you're going to become resentful and angry because they cannot give you what only God can give you. Listen, they cannot love you unconditionally 24 hours a day. They cannot make you secure 24 hours a day. They cannot make you happy 24 hours a day. They can't meet all of your needs 24 hours a day. They're not, they're not God. On the other hand, what this psalm is saying is God can meet all of your needs, and he never run dry, runs dry. He's never in a bad mood. He never lets you down. And if you look to him, your cup will, will, will overflow is what the scripture says. Have you ever wondered, and I, I have, and, or, or maybe another way to say that, it's kind of awkward, right, when you, when you meet a you meet a couple for the first time, and, and, and you're like in that sta- phase of getting to know each other, and then, then they, they invite you over to the house, and, and you go over to their house for dinner. Have you ever wondered, well, how long do you stay? I mean, are they night people? Are they early people? I mean, should we stay an hour, or we, should we just eat and leave, or what? And there's that, there's that awkward thing that, that, that you have in relationships when you start out is knowing how long should you stay. I mean, how long should you really stay? Well, see, in the Middle East, they, they had a way to figure that out. Uh, they had this custom in the Middle East that, that everyone knew that it had to do with filling of the cup. See, this is what David is referring to. So if you, if you went over to somebody's house, and it was like the first time, and, and you were a total stranger, and they were a stranger to you, because see, in the Middle East, strangers took care of strangers. And so if a stranger came over, but let's say, just say, you go over to someone's house, and, and so the first thing that they would do is they'd offer you a cup, and they'd offer you a cup of water or a cup of wine, and then they would fill it up. And so they would fill it up, and then if you drank it, then they would fill it again. And then, then if you drank it down, then they, they'd fill it again. And so if, if they wanted you to, to leave, they would just quit filling the cup. And you know, oh, they want to go to bed. Oh, they want me to leave. But, but, if all of a sudden things were going great, they would not only just fill it up to the brim, they'd fill it overflow. And they are saying, you can stay as long as you want. You can stay as long as you want. 
in the Middle East, you didn't waste water in the wi- in, or, or wine in the desert. But when you had an overflowing cup, it was sh- shown as a symbol that I have more than you need. You can stay as long as you want. And when God says to you, I'm going to fill your cup to overflowing, it means you matter to him. And you're special to him. Man, if you're hurting because someone has hurt you, as Pastor David comes up and just starts playing and we're going to close, but if you're hurting because someone has hurt you, Jesus invites you to a banquet. He says, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I will anoint your head with oil and your cup will overflow. He's saying, I can satisfy all of your needs. Every one of them. This is a deal you cannot refuse. It is a banquet of wholeness, of help and salvation. If you have never accepted him, if you have never understood the love of Christ, that he went to the cross and he died and he bled for you, on the third day he rose again. In him you can have forgiveness. In him you can have eternal life. But also in him you can have wholeness and fullness. (coughs) I pray that you would just come to him. That you'd ask him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins. Give you the gift of eternal life. And just pray a simple prayer and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you died for me for the forgiveness of my sins. And I ask that you come into my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And that you give me the gift of eternal life. And to the very best of my ability, I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. If you have prayed that prayer, we would love to know about that. You could email us at email us at fellowshiptherockies.org. We would love to email you back. We'd love to have a conversation with you. We would love to do anything we could to help you. But maybe you're a believer and you're wondering, what is my next step? Maybe during this time, you just say, you know what? We're just going to make a commitment. We're going to work through any unresolved issues in our relationship. We're going to learn how to mention it so that we can manage it. And we're going to mention it in a healthy way. So on the other side of this, We're going to come out better. We don't want to go back to the old normal. We want a new normal. In our marriage, in our family, in our relationships, that when something hurts us, that we immediately clarify. We immediately talk about it. We don't stuff it. There's a better way. And maybe God has given us this time to find out. If we can help you in any way, (coughs) 
we would love to help you. You can, you can communicate with us through email us at fellowshiptherockies.org. One of our pastors will talk with you. We'll e- email you back. We'll do anything we can to help you. Well, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. Lord, we just thank you for the power of your name. Father, I pray for your people, for people. We have people that are sick and they're afraid. We have people afraid of getting sick. We have people that have lost jobs. Hours have been cut back. Income has been reduced. And that affects everything. So, Father, I pray for them. I pray that you protect them. Pray that you encourage them. (coughs) You help those that are caring for them. And Father, you give them peace. And that just as you have promised, that you provide for them. Father, I pray for our families. I pray for relationships. That during this time, would have better relationships would work through things that we've needed to work through things for years and we have known it but for whatever reason we stuffed it and may we walk out of this better because you prepare a table in the presence of our enemies You anoint our head with oil. And your cup overflows. You have everything we need. And may we we draw to you now. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.